Welcome to Good Words with Geeks and Nerds. My name's Kenny, and each week, myself and my co-host, Stu, will discuss all those strange, specific things that make us nerds. Stu and I are running the gamut of geekdom, from comic books and pro wrestling to toys and collectibles, what's hot on the newest streaming service, and the latest TV and movie news, we're covering it all. You can subscribe using your favorite podcast platform, and please leave us a five-star review. So now, sit back, relax, and enjoy some good words with geeks and nerds. Strange, specific stuff. That's what makes a nerd a nerd. If you like strange, specific stuff, that's a nerd, okay? Cool, cool, cool. Welcome back to Good Words with Geeks and Nerds. Uh, Stu introing this week with uh, my dear buddy. Kenny Fresh in the house. Yeah. Um, we hit record. I was halfway through telling a very dumb story um, that we decided to hit record and start with. Uh, and we'll just catch you back up. Stu was telling me about a show called Black Monday on uh, Showtime. Showtime. And uh, explaining what it what it was, but he was he was like WandaVision. Yeah, they do a very good job of um, doing that old school thing in the intro. And so I guess with this show, they use the old Showtime Tonight. Yeah, intro because it takes place in the eighties. So whatever whatever the intro was for showtime <clears throat> in programming in 1987 that's what they use and it reminded me of this hbo um intro uh for the feature presentations because my my dad would tape uh movies for us like raiders of the lost ark or whatever on on hbo and um flying through the city like you come out like down this this the the side of a building in a city and it's like this model a uh, model of a little city and like a little fake street car comes by and like the camera kind of drives down the street and then like off into the countryside and keeps going and you know HBO logo and feature presentation with this like it the the O turned into a that was the other thing the O turned into a um a film spool yeah, yeah so yeah. it got like the out the outside oh, yeah. of the O the three dimensional O went away and then you saw the circle yeah. in the middle and you're like oh it's a film spool that's oh, very yeah. clever and then it would be a feature presentation um. But uh, the the fanfare was so specific, so that's the that's the one we know now. Yeah. But this was how they used to open. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Out of a house. Oh yeah. Remember this? Out out the window. Mm-hmm. Camera pans out, and it's just like this fake, this fake street. Oh yeah. But this music. And it's clearly like you went from urban to yeah. suburban out to the rural. And that yeah. was kind of what they were, what they were. We're, we're reaching everyone exactly. with this feature presentation. And this is the, th- this is the music. <clears throat> they, they still have the same, same Tune. The mm-hmm. melody is exactly the same. It just wasn't produced by Yanni. Right. <laughs> and then there the animation the f- and it's a film spool. Yeah. The laser lights. Yeah, exactly. That is that is the most 1980s presentation of something I could think of like to be like for a a, um, a media company. Like that yeah. is that is super tech forward oh, in their mind yeah. 
and well it's like the same thing like 10 years ago when you went to like a regal cinema and they launched into that like before the the presentation of the movie started the the screen you're on a roller coaster and you go down and Mm -hmm. there's snacks here Mm -hmm. and there's that there's that and then the movie spill uh, oh and then like you're into the theater and boom you're watching the movie i think uh, yeah and i think what that is is that's a constant thing because you can find i mean let's start with like the 50s and the drive-in with it was it was an experience that was always film uh cinema cinema was always let's have this experience together and it's it's such a big production so there was always like in the movie theaters in the 50s or at the drive-through with uh or the drive-in with fanfare and songs and whatever and then you know like in the 60s and 70s i like something that quentin tarantino likes to use is he always uses that um funky fanfare feature presentation yeah. thing yeah like having having fanfare intro yeah to your presentation just added to the business of show yeah to me it's that whole like everybody is talking to their friend in the theater fussing with their food mm-hmm. grabbing a coke uh in the 70s doing some coke uh you know it was it was ruckus and wild and how are you going to snap people into your presentation right what was your hook to get everybody to turn around and go oh shit's happening yeah and it uh, yeah it was it was a combination of the lights going down yeah and the 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 That's not fair. yeah and yeah. not only just like the screen lighting up but it immediately grabs you with that fanfare yeah. and that this it's feature presentation yeah. time Oh, right. Yeah. So that just, uh, yeah, that's, that's what that reminded me of. So you get, you put me in a, a little bit of a, uh, which is why I've nostalgia. always, I've always appreciated, uh, oh, talking about Jim Carrey the other day and we were talking about the Truman show and it just caused that movie to block out the other movie that I was thinking of the majestic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Maja- oh, with Jim Carrey, uh, Jim Carrey, right, yeah, yeah. The movie theater one, <clears throat> the movie theater one, yeah, the the one that where kinda, he's the uh, he's the blackballed, uh, the yeah, black, the, the, the the commie writer, the commie writer <laughs> who gets amnesia and uh, uh, wakes up in a small town and everybody thinks he's somebody else and uh, he helps reopen the movie theater yeah. and the fanfare and 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 I think that's kind of a great example of the early like institution of that you know Mm -hmm. when when there was one theater per town and there was one screen per theater and it was an event for everybody in town to come out and pay their dollar or 25 cents or whatever but per ticket to come sit in the screen and watch a movie together yep it would entertain kids during the day and adults at night and you know they'd show two movies or whatever yeah um yeah there's a, a barry barry levinson um <clears throat> has his um his baltimore uh trilogy i guess yeah. so he made these movies uh diner avalon liberty heights and then tin men he writes about baltimore in the 1950s and 60s and it's and there's always a scene or two in each one of those movies that describes that experience of the movie theater and just yeah how it's a, it's the one theater for the town or at least the one in a town like baltimore it's like the one theater on this side of town yeah right and see, I mean, being even even a kid of the eighties that I was, like, uh I feel privileged because I feel the spoiled nature of of film presentation today. You know, hey, we got HBO Max, this Disney, whatever, you know, hey, you could pay the thirty extra bucks. It's gonna cost you at least, you know, 
60, 80 bucks to get your whole family out to the movie theater, but you can, hey, get early access to Cruella for 30 bucks on Disney Plus. Right. Here in Georgia during the pandemic, back in, like when we first opened back up last year. Yeah. When, when we first opened and the theaters were, tr- were like throwing shit against a wall to see what it would stick in terms of keeping their doors open. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were, they, it was like, pick it a seventies or eighties movie and they were showing it for five bucks. Oh yeah. I took, I took my kids to see Goonies. I went and saw Jaws. Amazing. Like at like two in the afternoon, I was like, I'm going to go mall of Georgia and go watch Jaws for yeah. f- five bucks here, five bucks there. Yeah. It was so worth it. I've seen these movies a million times, never saw them in the theater. theater. And if I, I, you know, I will watch, uh, I'm going to pay $5 and watch a, uh, a, a 4k, Cause that's really what oh, it is. Yeah. Let's be honest. They're just, oh, yeah. they're, they're just like the, streaming yeah, off of Netflix. Yeah, it's an Apple TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, some, somebody's prime account is like, you know, stacked at Regal, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but, uh, and that, but that was, that was great. But now with these movies coming back in theaters, my buddy was in town and he said that he took his, his three-year-old to go see a kid's movie for the his first movie in a theater. And I, there was like three of them, I think. And it was $40. Yeah, just tickets. Uh, Jen and I went last week uh, to see Cruella, and the two of us was like twenty five, twenty six bucks. Yeah, so that that checks out. Um, I mean, it's not cheap. Obviously, they're gonna have to make their business back. But again, to me, that's the whole point. You're paying for the experience. Like mm. there, there is no substitute for entertainment value to me when watching a movie than sitting in the theater. I would agree with that. There, um, there are some movies I absolutely sit, sit me at home, give me a chance to like, you know, digest process, like absorb it at my own speed, mm-hmm. but there's no way in hell that I'm going to enjoy my first time watching suicide squad Two at home oh, yeah. as much as I would bombastically in a theater. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, 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 that's exactly right. And that's, that's kind of the double edged sword <clears throat> of this HBO max, um, uh, streaming thing. It's great. I appreciate what they're doing, especially, you know, a lot of these companies really stepped up, at least at the first part of the pandemic, really stepped yeah. up in terms of what they were doing to make everything, make life good for people oh, yeah. or as good as could be. So like these movies that were coming out, like, uh, you know, um, they they would they started doing the streaming or these companies would be like oh hey guess what your uh, your your data limits yeah. uh, everybody's got unlimited data on yeah. their phones now yeah. and, and this that and, like so they were just trying to make that you know sorry yeah and this is our small part of it but um but I agree I think it is it's only certain movies though like uh yeah if it's something that I, I don't see a lot of movies that are going to be drawing me to the theater anymore. No. Um, the last great film I saw in the theater was Avengers Endgame. Yeah. I, I and you're right. The, even, even though that theater was packed to the gills, yeah. there was no, there was not an empty seat in the house and even our seats were okay. Yeah. Um, it doesn't replace the, it, it, there's nothing that will replace that experience. It's, it's the same thing as watching pro wrestling with a crowd. There's an energy that just hums through every human in there that's waiting for this experience that we're all waiting for. And it's a shared experience, whether you know everybody in the room or not, whether exactly. you're friends with five people or no one, like, exactly. it's still like you have this, this shared experience that's about to happen that you've been waiting for. Hey, we're all about to like rock through this. Yep. That's exactly it. I, we went last week. There was, I think 
six or eight people maybe in the whole theater uh yeah i hope I, again i hope i hope that we get back there or that at least certain movies will draw people out mm-hmm. like like you said suicide suicide squad specifically um i i really hope those kind of movies will drive people out i mean uh, i i i I'm going to be hard not to just make at least an attempt to go see it once. I agree. Yeah, like, we should we should definitely go. We should definitely yeah, try to go see it again. Yeah. Like, oh, instead yeah. of recording one night, we should yeah. go see the movie. Yeah, just go see the movie. Or yeah. like a matinee of it. Oh, yeah. That makes it easier. Yeah, Go see it during the day and, and uh, just get a cool theater experience. Mm-hmm. And then can t- then you can take it home and enjoy it. Yeah, over and over again uh, for yeah, the next and you're like, hey, I got, I got you know... 30 days to like yeah. dissect the hell out of this. Thing. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I can do that on at home. I, which, which to me, I, I appreciate in such a different fashion. So being the guy who likes to go to the theater, I do like that idea of just coming home immediately and being able to watch the movie again at home where I can like, you know, pick it apart and, or like watch my, this, that scene that got me like mm-hmm. that, that. Oh, Oh, do you remember I don't have to tell you. Remember, you got. We're going to watch that part right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, right now. Right now. Let's get uh, home and let's turn let's that. Let's get back home on. and put that part on because exactly. I have to see that again. Because holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. That part. I'm totally. I would. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just it just reminded me of. Is it just reminded me of um, Spaceballs? Yeah. Instant. It's, 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 it's yeah. Instant. They're exactly. Out, they're out in homes before the movie hits the theaters. They, Mel Mel predicted that shit how long ago? Oh yeah, yeah. nineteen. What was that? Nineteen eighty four. Nineteen eighty five. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's funny. That is. That's, that's literally where we become. Yeah. We become instant cassettes. Only it's just not a physical media. Yeah. That's funny. Um, in that same vein, though, um, I've got it. We've got we've got topics to talk about, and I want to continue going down. I, I mean, we're in. We're here now. We're talking HBO Max, and we're talking Suicide Squad. That's. I got a couple of things I want to chat about. Uh, newest uh is this the final the final trailer the yeah trailer number three they've called rain which is um the reason that this this trailer actually has a name is because it's named after the music uh, and as we know james gunn has a masterful command <coughs> of um a lot like quentin tarantino uh i i almost tarantino's good tarantino works with really good people as mm-hmm. well um I would put Robert Rodriguez. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Uh, I would also put Riza as, as probably hands down one of the best composers of like, well, compo- scores. Yes. Yes. On the score side, 100%. On, on, like, he's, pick, he's composed so sound, many things. soundtracks, but I yeah. mean, he, he was the soundtrack behind Kill Bill. Yeah. Like he put that whole soundtrack together. Mm-hmm. Like that was his production. So like, yeah. and, and that, that's such a perfect call. Like if you're making this updated, you're doing a, uh, a a modern a modern kung fu exploitation film. Yeah, what better what better who person you, than the Wu Tang Clan? You know, yeah, and the RZA, the RZA. Yeah, who? Yeah. Yep. Huh. Um. So, uh, James Gunn has a very oh uh, Wes Anderson too. Oh yeah, Wes Anderson has a he he's got he knows he can find these obscure tracks that just fit the mood. Yeah. of his film uh there's a lot uh coen brothers too no um there's a lot of them and it's that to me through for me because i was like grew up watching movies and tv and everything uh a well-placed song because my parents controlled the radio uh you know and they played 
my dad played a lot of 50s and 60s and my mom played a lot of like eight late 80s early 90s country and some pop on occasion uh but my exposure to broad quality music came from you know filmed or directors that could like take a song and hit a moment and make a feeling happen and you're like oh god what is this yeah yeah absolutely um so he he is uh it's uh this this trailer is called rain specifically because um it's a little bit of cross promotion but it's i don't i don't hate it i'm not mad at it i guess that's the name of the the song being used in the trailer and it's a new song yeah um that the uh i guess james gunn wanted to he liked this artist yeah wanted to use a track of his in a film somewhere and the guy had shared the kid I, I, it's a, a artist named grandson something like something yeah, like grandson, grandson yeah grandson I, I, oh, this is uh, my no, first I, time i oh no art, i like grandson i this is my first exposure to it yeah. um and so it's grandson featuring uh, another contemporary um vocal vocal artist uh, i can't remember her name but she's got just a beautiful voice um and that's the song they use for this trailer so it's it's a completely um it's a strange uh a strange fusion of contemporary music that's not you know it's a song typical, you've never yeah, yeah it's not typical so it's it doesn't have it it doesn't have an immediate draw where you're like it doesn't oh have my that gosh. nostalgia trigger like he right, pulls exactly but it still just worked yeah right um sp- i was speaking of robert rodriguez um i was just thinking of uh another perfect example is um of just like this is when he used sells that song sells for the trailer of um sin city yeah it was i had never heard it was yeah. an instrumental version of cells had never heard of this band the servant before yeah and it, it just but it just fucking worked it hit for it for yeah exactly everything everything they showed you on the screen was matched perfectly to the to the to the the the, the vibe the sound yeah like it was it just complemented each other perfectly but um so it's a great trailer uh it, it it's it's a lot of rehashing of stuff we've seen yeah however i am i am noticing i noticed a trend i texted you this and i want to get your thoughts on it um my general take on this film will be that uh or the the general layout of this film which is fine again this is you know we we've taught we talk a lot on this on this podcast about tropes and it's okay to use them if you're using them well yeah or if you're not relying on the trope to tell the story which is not which is not the case the the, the so this is um my sense is with this film is if you watch this this third trailer you start to get the idea that there are all these super villainy people but um the way they are composed on the screen in this third trailer I am I am on the impression that what happens in the film is as it progresses, Kinnaman, uh, who what's his character? Flag? Yeah, Rick, Rick Flag. Flag is uh, Flag <sighs> will be dispatched on a mission with Harley Quinn and these six other people to include Nathan Fillion's character, uh Michael Rooker's character, the Weasel, uh, Flula's character. Flulaborg, yeah. the javelin or whatever javeliner or whatever his name is javelin, yeah. um and pete davidson and then that other lady with the orange skin um it appears to me 
that those oh and uh, Captain Boomerang, those guys don't ever seem to appear simultaneously with um uh what's Bloodsport? Blood uh, other than the plane ride. Either th- those guys aren't on there in the plane ride either. It's just those guys. I thought Bloodsport's on the plane. Mm, I don't believe so. No? Is that his name though? Bloodsport? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, cause it looks like he, so in my head and we can watch the trailer later, but, um, yeah. again, but in my head, what I'm seeing is, is that those guys are on a mission that apparently in my, that I think fails. And then, uh, Viola Davis taps Bloodsport to go in with polka dot man, uh, with Damon Dashmalchian, such a hard one, but I think that's an Armenian name, Dashmalchian. I believe so. Um, with Damon Dasmalchian, Shark, uh, King Shark, um, Rat Rat Catcher, and John Cena's character, uh, because Peacemaker. Peacemaker, those guys are in their own separate briefing, as you recall from the first trailer. Yeah. So um, what I am guessing happens is, and then you couple that to in that first trailer with the rescuing of Harley Quinn. Um, and Joel Kinnaman's character wearing completely different clothes than when he yeah. goes out on the mission in the in the, the third trailer. trailer. What I think in my head happens is that first mission happens. It's a failure. She taps the second Suicide Squad because we talked about that trope with uh, yeah. um, with Army of the Dead. Um, but she taps the second squad to go in and finish the mission uh, that the first squad didn't, and then they they link back up where I think. Rick Flag and Harlequin are the only ones who survive. And then this second Suicide Squad squad um, team up with the Thinker. Because, again, if you watch certain parts of the trailer, those are the only, the only seven people you see together. And then you only see these, this set of people together, right? Yeah. So I think one team goes in, is killed, is replaced by this other team, and then they complete the mission of... Uh, what's the starfish's name? Starro. Starro. Yeah, because they you get the sense that she tells like in this third trailer, Viola Davis says that it's Operation Starfish or whatever it's called or Project Starfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so <clears throat> that's 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 my sense of what happens. Uh, um, I I don't think it's far off. I think uh, there is going to be probably like a a secondary recruitment to to send in send in for help uh from what we have seen uh but, it is also uh, quite possible that um he's hiding some things that you can't make out from the trailer right but at the same time it's also he may it's pretty just, straightforward you know yeah he also may just be throwing everything sideways because when you throw starro involved like you have no idea yeah you know, giant alien starfish that controls minds mm-hmm. okay so really where are you going james gunn exactly um <laughs> um yeah so he could just be purposefully leaving some things out but that's yeah. the, that's the vague notion i'm getting from uh from watching this third trailer it's a great trailer uh, like is. i said it's a it's some rehash but then some extra uh, rehash of other things a few new shots um so much of Batista wishes he was on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, uh, so a couple of new effect shots and some funny lines from uh, um, different cats. Yeah, uh, from Peacemaker and stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
Uh, and again, and some, some, uh, some more, uh, uh, some more, um, we've talked, we talked about this too, before it's on an episode that has yet to be, uh, released. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> we talked about, um, with our guest Alex, uh, about how great Kinnaman is. Yeah. And this trailer also seems to reflect that too. There's a couple of lines that he delivers, especially for having English be your second language. Yeah. Um, his ability to, to deliver the lines in a, in a, in a funny manner, knowing what's funny in a different culture and in a different language and with different timing yeah. is great. Um, so that's what I'm, that's my guess on that. So definitely check out that new trailer. Um, that'll be August, end of August. I think middle, middle, middle August, August, maybe, uh, HBO. And we're going to try and go see it and we'll give you our, our honest try to be spoiler free review. Uh, when we see it, um, yeah, we'll try, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you're listening to this before you see the movie, like, Go see the movie. Yeah, you've, it's you've, on you've HBO messed Max. that's on you. It's on yeah. HBO Max. We just discussed how easy it would have been. Yeah. It's just as easy to watch that than to listen to us, and I'd rather watch that than yeah. listen to us. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so then continuing on from there on the HBO Max fan, I want to talk about, um, and this is my fear, this, t- this ties into my fear about the movie theater coming back. So I am very excited um, for the upcoming dune film by dennis villeneuve and uh um i was i'm not i have traditionally not been a fan of um oh what's that kid's name timothy Timothy chalamet i i was never sold on him until i saw him on saturday night live last year yeah hilarious yeah um so now i'm all in yeah um so i'm excited for this Visually, the trailers that have come out have been beautiful. Uh, the, 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 the size and the scope looks great. The, the outfits, the, the production design, all of it. It looks wonderful. And it's got that Dennis Villeneuve. Uh, the, he's got this very great artistic vision. It's almost like he does bring graphic novels to life or yeah. sci-fi novels to life. Yeah. I'm sorry. He can bring science fiction concepts to, to, to reality the way like Blade Runner, uh, 2049 was gorgeous. It was a gorgeous film. He had a great view for it. And this looks like it'll be just that good. My concern is, is I learned, um, in doing some research for it just last night, actually, that, um, he has, it's it's intended to be, and this first this film will be covering only about the first half of the book. Yeah, which makes sense. You can't you you can't as much as the um as much as David Lynch. David Lynch, as much as David. <clears throat> thank you, David. As much as David Lynch, who loves Kyle MacLachlan and uh, Sean loves Young, loves them. Kyle MacLachlan though. Um, loves Kyle. Uh, so as, as, as much as David Lynch tried, you can't put, it's such a complex book full of complex metaphors and, uh, and, and not just complex metaphors. I mean, uh, complex visuals, yeah, complex thoughts, uh, or concepts like, yeah, I was trying to watch, I was brushing up on it cause I haven't read the book in forever, yeah. but I was trying to brush up on the, the, um, I was watching like a five minute rundown of them trying to explain the first book on a YouTube video yeah, and them trying to explain the, um, the navigators or the, uh, 
what are they called? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. They yeah. live in, they yeah, mutate yeah, yeah. and they live in the little yeah. whatever. And they, they're the only ones that have mastered interstellar yeah. travel or they're the only ones that can do the calculations, the math yeah. precise enough to avoid objects. And just that concept alone, when you're not reading a book is really hard to explain. And day, and if you watch even the, the director's cut of the 1980, whatever Dune, even David Lynn, he didn't even nail it. Cause it's just like, what am I watching? What is this? What is this? Right. There's, there's, they've done it in, in, uh, clone wars. Okay. Uh, they've, uh, used in star Wars several times. I believe they've used that same hook of some disabled device on a ship that doesn't allow them to hyper jump. And they're like, why not? They're like, if we hyper jump without this, we don't know if we're going to end up in the middle of a moon. Right. Which was, which was something set forth (laughs) from the first film. Yeah. Right. You know, without precise calculations. Exactly. Fly too close to a star or whatever. Get caught in the gravity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is doable, but um, again, it's just Frank Herbert writes. It's a, it's a very, it's a very thick paperback for being a paperback. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of exposition and all of it almost purposefully there. I mean, it's, he was also of, of the, I don't want to say school of, but the era of Tolkien, you know? Yes. And I agree. And where, where like explaining your concepts are, we have to, to, to do it to where even like, a, a, a two-year-old's not going to understand, but if a two-year-old read it enough, they may understand because you have laid out every angle and detail of of what you're talking about. Uh, you got Dennis Villeneuve, Denis Villeneuve, um, who looks like he can just masterfully bring these pages to life, but it's only going to be the first half of the book. But then he coupled to it the fact that he's even said he's already said in interviews that the studio hasn't greenlit second half of the movie they don't even have a screenplay for the second half of the film and and there's a book second half of the book but they're supposed to also be like an hbo max series yeah a prequel series yeah sisters of the bene gesserit or whatever sisterhood of dune or whatever you want to call it um because and one of the and one of the one of the writers that was writing the the or that was working out the details for the hbo max series jump ship and is working on the movie yeah and but he said that there's not there's not the, the second the a second movie isn't greenlit there's no screenplay there's there's reports that a treatment has been written i think there's a lot of like hesitation on on warner brothers behalf because it is such a uh ostentatious undertaking very true and uh and because it is only half a story uh, I think they're playing old school Hollywood and girding their loins after a very tough year of financial decisions to let's see how this one plays out. And that's what makes me nervous. Like I <clears throat> talked about earlier is, uh, you know, the director has also said that, um, you know, he doesn't know for sure if there will be a second movie right. because, you know, with, with streaming and the pandemic, uh, at the end of the day, 
how do you, how do you know, how can you be sure that this was a, a success and ensures a second part of the film or are we just going to have this one? It'll be really shitty in my mind for them to just do this one film and walk away from it. My, my, my thought process on this is, Hey, look, you can take all the theater totals and all the HBO max views and add them together and say, Hey, that's how many people are going to come watch too. That's true. Because by the time two's done, we won't be doing time and time release. There you go. You, you they know, don't by have the time to the two theater. comes out, everybody's already watched one when it came out. Yeah. It's going to want to watch one, whether they watched at home or if they watched it in the theater. And if they watched it in the theater and they liked it, they're probably going to go home and watch it again. Oh, I, 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 and then there's people who are going to watch it at home and watch it again. And so, you know, you're going to drive your metric and you're going to like, I'm going to say, look, look at my numbers. All right. I've got this. I've got this, you know, for sure. All these people have watched it at least this many times. So you have a built in audience of this. So when we do release to only in theaters, we're going to pull at least 85% of that. Yeah. I'm okay uh, with those numbers. Yeah, especially if especially if those will translate. I mean, there's no guarantee that they will, no. but I think it's a safe bet. Yeah. I think it's a super safe bet. And then on top of that, um you know, it's I mean, I'm definitely that kind of person who will like if I I don't I don't care if Dune is 3 hours long. If it's, you know, extended extended Lord of the Rings style, I'll I'll come home and queue it right back up and watch it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't mind like yeah you were saying if it's three hours I don't mind as long as uh like Lord of the Rings pulls you through that three hours and I know some people I know some people are like oh it's it's really slow I'm like it's it's paced it, it is fairly well paced um to pull you through three hours between narrative and world building. And, you know, if you're taking in everything as it's, as it should be delivered and trying to pull in all the information from it, it pulls you through those three hours pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I can see that. And I could actually see how Dune would be that film too. And I, and in the same way, yeah, I feel like it could easily eat up three hours and I wouldn't mind it at all. Cause that's what you're doing. You're building <clears throat> the world building is the most important part. In yeah. my opinion, the story in, in and of itself is pretty straightforward, yeah. but there's, 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 you know, lots of, uh, background, lots of exposition, yeah. uh, lots of explanation, but it's all sort of tied together. That's the crazy part. The, yeah. the, production design is all integral to the yeah. story itself. That's what's so crazy. I love the, I love you use the phrase world building because yeah. you are doing that. You yeah. do have to take time to build what is middle earth. What is the planet Arrakis? Yeah. What is, you know, what are these things? Um, especially cause they, the planet fucking name of the book and the movie is named after the nickname of the planet. Yeah. So from there you have to extrapolate that that must be, as significant a character of the book okay. as the characters of the, of the story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very apprehensive that we won't see a second half of, of, of Dune. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that you're right. I hope that they go listen in a year and a half when we've done, you know, after we get a script and after we produced, you know, this two year, this two year endeavor or whatever, 18 months, we'll be back to um, theaters 
at, at full capacity and people will come see this film. Uh, so that's, that's my great hope. Is, is it late October? I believe so. Uh, oh shit, sorry. It, I think, I think if they position it right in their release, October's a little early, but, uh, they will probably do a, a re theatrical release in like January to hit award season. Yeah. It's just probably smart. And, um, uh, October 22nd. Oh, I'm sorry. October 1. They've um, moved it forward. October 1st. It got, right. yeah, it got moved forward. Sorry. So yeah, no, I mean, that gives you a month on streaming. They take it away. Hell, they may not even do a re They may, may do a two week re theatrical release in January when they relaunch it on streaming. You know, after they take it away for three Wait, months. Nope, I lied. It did. It, it got pushed to October twenty second. Okay. Yeah, it got pushed from the first to the twenty second. Okay. Sorry. No, that I mean, still timing works out to where it's the end of the month. You're still getting into that early waters of award season. Right. Here's what's here's what's so frustrating is I don't think I don't think the movie the movie industry understands what a built in audience this film will have. And I just mean, I, I just mean that there, if you are, if you are one of us who listens to this podcast, even as an amateur nerd, yeah. but beyond that, yeah. if you're, if you're at the depths of, of, of studium or even our buddy, um, Jay, who is a Uber dork. Yeah. Um, these, these, this story is very special because it has never been captured in a way that does the story service. Yeah. And there are people waiting. This, this was a, this is a, this is a story. That, it's, it's been that done. Demands it's our, been done and done. Uh huh. And this is done again. And this is the first time that there's a glimmer of hope in the done again, even, even really done period that, that looks like there is some, like we're going to get what, simply what we've asked for exactly and and again technology shortcomings oh you know, 100%. This, this is a story that needs our technology now and visionary directors like we have now just like endgame it. yeah 100 like there's i mean i you know there's there's a reason i i i love being a kid in the 80s but i also love the fact that i get to be alive and and able to see shit now because you know it's uh, there's just a different quality and a different uh, a level of things. Uh, don't get me wrong. I absolutely am hands down. Build me some fucking props. Build me some like old school like sets. Yeah. And then put your CG and crap right. over top of it. Like, exactly. Like dual, dual, dual work yourself. You know, mm -hmm. give people some jobs. Keep that craft alive. One hundred percent. That's where build build that environment. And then use the technology to enhance that environment. It's the, it's, it's, I will call it, um, I, again, to reference, um, back to Lord of the Rings, but I think that, um, that's a, I can see his bearded, ugly face right now. Peter Jackson. Thank you. That's a, <laughs> that's a Peter Jackson. That's a Peter Jackson thing where, um, you know, he, he relied on the terrain, the local terrain of the, of New Zealand he relied on physical props, but it's, he also <clears throat> expanded it's a, it. It's an outside of America. Mm. Guillermo del Toro does it. Practical effects. 
you know, it's still, it's still an engagement of, 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 Hey, I come from a country where maybe our budgets for a movie are going to be $10,000. So I'm going to have to use this backyard. Right. I'm going to have to use like this park by the, by the studio. Or I'm going to have to use this like public land here that I know I can like, you know, get a permit for, for a day. Right. It's the mistake. It's the, it's the mistake that, and, and to be, to be fair, it's, it's not too dissimilar. It's, it's also very much like star Wars filmmaking. Yeah. Um, star Wars didn't rely. It it couldn't rely on certain technology. I mean, I mean the original films, a lot of that was landscape and a lot of that was physical sets and practical yeah. props that, cause he didn't have the luxury of, you know, and if you notice, you watch star Wars, everything that is, <laughs> um, everything is a puppet. Everything is a rubber mask. The everything is physical independent franchise in history. Yeah. Until Disney bought it until. Yeah, exactly. Well, and here's the thing. Here's what I would argue too, is that, you know, somewhere along the way, Lucas lost that, you know, with the prequels, it was, Hey, where's the set? Oh, you're on it. Oh, you mean this giant chroma key blue oh, cushion? He, abso- he, he absolutely lost the concept and went with what worked and what was going to save him time and, and, and energy. Yeah. Well, uh, I, he know, was, no one was really, 30, he was 30 years older. Yeah. He wasn't, no one, he wasn't, oh yeah, so he's that's got really, really what it what I think it comes down to. Right. He's not a late twenties, early thirties kid like pounding to like get his vision out there and he's gonna do it at all fucking cost and he'll make the props himself, he'll make the costumes, he'll stay up all night, he'll make things happen, he'll make this the shot work in the environment that he has. No, he's sixty, he's sixty five, he's God stacks cash under his pockets. Yep. He's like, hey, and studio money to back yeah, him. And, and yeah. And, oh, hey, well, we can just throw up a screen and make it work. Cool. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's, that's where, uh, that's where the, where, in my opinion, movie, the movie, like, uh, movies like Rogue One, especially Rogue One, but also Solo to a smaller extent, uh, also Solo to a smaller extent, really got a lot of that practical, practical magic mixed with 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 special effects that's why that's why rogue one is rogue one is a beautiful film rogue one is the best star wars movie since say it, say since it. since like empire i agree i agree in terms of great star wars films empire rogue one yeah hands down huh. and they're they're completely different I mean, you could argue that Empire Strikes Back is not as, I mean, there's, I mean, in terms of technical, if you're talking purely, yeah, uh, you know, one of those things where directing and acting and um, story and all of those things come together, Rogue One is a better film. A hundred percent. It is a better, it is a better technical masterpiece uh, because you have, you have wonderful acting from the entirety of the cast oh, yeah. up to and including the use of a voice actor in Alan Tudyk, uh, but also my favorite fucking person, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen killed it. Just destroying, just slaying. Every, every part of that. It's, 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 it's heartbreaking and satisfying and you want to watch it again and you want to go on the trip with them, even mm-hmm. though you know how it ends. Even though you know how it ends. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like the sci-fi nerds Titanic. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way. It is. You're right. 
It is that it's the, it's the suicide mission. Yeah. It's, I always said, uh, when I first saw it, I told everybody who was asking, I was like, you could make that film in any other setting. It would be perfect. You could, you could replace, you could, you could replace, um, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away with world war two oh, and yeah. it would work. Oh yeah. You could, you would have, you would have thought you, you could do it in the nineties yep. and, and, you know, Desert Storm. You could yep. you could do it in any conflict that we've had in between. You would have thought that you you could you, you would, could do it on any planet. Exactly. You could do it with it's such a great story. Pirate ships. It's it's because it is it is one of those. It's it's the guns of the Navarone. Yeah. Uh, it's the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. Um. That it's that film. Yeah. Right. Done in just a beautiful fashion with with great characters. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, that but that's where that practical application of filmmaking uh, and, and and production design is uh, important because you need to feel you do need to feel connected to a, the real world. And something has to be real, it, it, especially when you're using live action. If you're using live action, yeah, if you're using human beings in, right. in the film, if you're using real sets in the film, things need to be tangible. Yeah, because we can't we we can suspend disbelief. But we there's, can't uh, suspend disbelief uh, when when you there's nothing physical interacting with the world. The uncanny valley, yeah, just it yeah. won't let you absorb everything as real. So to have some kind of practicality that's enhanced allows that that valley to drop low enough to bring you further into that world. Right, Mandalorian is doing that very well with their with their series too. I just uh, found out some controversy about some Mandalorian futures. Oh well, let's get into it real quick. As, as you threw that open door, real I'd love quick, to know. I was, I, I was, just, I just, just saw this. Apparently, according to a new Lego set release, um, Lego ruining everything. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Lego um, is the ultimate spoiler. That's they are. That's with the Marvel with the Marvel movies, Marvel and yeah, Star, Star Wars. Wars. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you just you see those sets and you're like, oh, oh, oh what's going on what's, here? What? What? Who is this? Yeah. Um, that that can lead us into. Uh, Chang Chi in a minute. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, because I just I saw a couple Lego, of Lego Chang Chi sets. Uh, Lego apparently sees uh, on the sly, letting it out that Disney has um, retired the name of Boba Fett ship. Oh Jesus! Apparently, the slave one is no longer appropriate. And so we're just not going to use it. We're not going to say anything about it. We're just going to call it Boba Fett spaceship. So yeah, the new post Mandalorian Lego set for Boba Fett spaceship is that not the slave one. I hate that. So Lego that's disappointing. So Lego. Yeah. So Lego spoilers. Um, yeah, I saw I was at the Walmart the other day and you can. So I'll, I'll tell you something like uh, you. Here's how you can tell. This is, I figured this out when Captain Marvel came out. Here's how you can tell how important the franchise is to the company. Is by how many Lego sets the film gets. Definitely. Captain Marvel got one. Shang-Chi, I've seen two. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 had and i have them all um because i like i like the guardian sets i really do i actually have 
um, to up to Infinity War, I have all the Lego Marvel MCU sets. Yeah, they're in various stages of disarray thanks to my kids. Yeah, but um, Black hey, Panther had three. When I when when I get a house. Trust me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, we're going to do that down here too. I want to, I want to have like a little MCU world. Um, Black you Panther should. had three <clears throat> end game. And, um, Oh dude, that'd be great. Like they're all of high do, do it all the way around. And then like you could set up like the scene sets, like yeah, all the way. That's around. what I love. Thor Ragnarok had two or three. Yeah. Um, Avengers, uh, infinity war had six, yeah. but only end game. I think end game had three and they weren't really serious sets. Like they oh, didn't yeah. really, they didn't really comport with what you saw oh, yeah. except for the fact that in one of the sets, all the, the, like the, it gave you six or seven minifig characters and they were all in the time travel suits. That was yeah. about it, but it was almost like a rehashing of an old well, set. Well, also they probably like, Hey, it's more important for us to keep this under wraps. Yeah. What's, well, what's there's that on? too. I'm sure that's part of it. Um, <laughs> but like guardians of the galaxy one has three sets. They're yeah. all really good. Guardians of the galaxy two had uh three sets. I have a little, uh, Yondu from two, mm-hmm. uh, like one of those little bobblehead mini pop things, uh, little, yeah, mini pops, uh, just cause who doesn't love Michael Rooker with his big fin? Oh yeah. The big fin. Yeah. <sighs> and then with the, the Yondu, one of the Yondu sets or one of the Yondu minifigs in guardians two had, there's two, he has both fins so you can swap them out. Um, but yeah, it's, um, that's, it, it is kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, Shang-Chi, I've seen two. Um, and one was just sort of fast and furious Tokyo drift. I feel like there's going to be more released closer. I hope so. Because of the involvement of the villain, which gets us to right. the trailer. So, yeah, let's get let's get into the newest trailer for the first full length so trailer. You, you texted me. Yeah. This trailer drops the other day and you text me and you're like, dude, they're dropping some people in this trailer. Yeah, they are. So far, only two, two Lego sets. Um, and they do deal with the, the dragon. Yeah. Uh, in the set. Because uh, uh, I did see that. But yeah. So I but that's what that's what I'm saying, though. Like they can't be that. Are they big sets? No, no. That's, yeah, so they I mean, look at that. that. Yeah, nah, nah. That's the one which, nah. is, which is called Shang Chi Battle at at the Ancient Village. Okay, that's not even the one then. And then the other one is uh, is uh, Shang Chi Escape from the Ten Rings, which, if you look, is just a car and two motorcycles. Oh. So these are the only two sets so, I've seen so far. Definitely going. So this is the uh, this is the fifteen dollars set, mm-hmm. fifteen twenty dollars mm-hmm, set. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other one's thirty or thirty the, forty. The thirty forty. Uh, we still have like two, like five, maybe one or two five dollars, five ten dollars sets, and then we have like a $50 set. I would hope so. And that I would $50 hope set is going to, uh, be, uh, yes. I, I hope you're right. So let's, uh, let's talk about the trailer, the trailer. Um, so uh, obviously you're getting a little bit more, um, in this new trailer, you, you, you get a lot more visual representation of the 10 rings in ancient times. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of 
great crouching tiger <clears throat> hidden dragon esque yeah action mixed with a little Michelle more Michelle yeah <laughs> mixed with a little more CG like we've talked yeah. about which again it's not it's that's how you got you that's how you need to build some of these worlds yeah and so my sense or what I'm seeing is is the um so Shang Chi's father is who that dude that dude uh, uh, uh hold on let me let me get some names because right, there's been all these speculations but there actually is um you know character names and stuff attached to all this yeah um so let me bring this up shang chi and the legend of the ten ring ten rings ten um ring. so you that, have that was seen, almost... uh so they've actually updated um uh tony lung's uh character's name uh leung am i saying that right tony Lung. tony there's no uh phonetic on there so i guess it's uh, we'll just say it tony Lung. um so when when Wu, aka the mandarin yeah the real mandarin not the uh ben kingsley mandarin who i just absolutely love his portrayal of fake Mandarin, but that's why you get Mandarin 10 rings, the 10 yeah. rings from Iron Man one. Yeah. So there, there is obviously going to be a 10, uh, a, a, a tertiary connection to the events of Iron Man one and three in this film. There have to be. Yeah. Uh, cause they're connected that way. Um, so apparently they're, ma- you know, they're making him. I do feel like we're absolutely going to get a rewrite on his dad though. They are. They've, I mean, that's, if you yeah. look at the Wikipedia article. Yeah. Um, it says because Shang-Chi's father was originally Fu Manchu. Yeah. And so they've changed him to Wen Wu, the, uh, AKA the Mandarin. Yeah. So you will get a little bit of a rewrite. Um, and, 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 and a, hey, you know what? Take some racist bullshit. Yeah, make it right. That's like, like that stuff. I'm that, okay with that's, that's a hundred percent like, yeah. Hey. Yeah. You can take some of that low hanging fruit and yeah. correct it. And it's not a problem, but then there's other stuff where it's like the Mandarin is not like, if you were to rename the Mandarin, I'd be like, Ugh, go fuck yourself. Stop. Exactly. Exactly. Stop. Um, but regardless, uh, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the history of the 10 rings in this trailer. Um, I am getting the sense that there's five rings on each hand. So this is, this is me not knowing yeah. anything about Shang-Chi or the 10 rings. The Ten Rings look like they are made from... Um, Historically in comics, the Ten Rings have been literal rings, one for each finger on the hand. Oh, okay. That the Mandarin wears. He's a sorcerer, and they have magical abilities. That's helpful, but it seems they like They seem like they have turned these into more martial arts rings that yeah, you would put around your forearms. Like bracers. Like bracers. Um, but then are used and dispersed as weapons. And the vibe I'm getting through the color scheme and production design is it's almost like they were forged from uh, vibranium, but I don't know. They've got that blue, that blue purple uh, yeah. aura, but I also noticed that there's two think, different colors. There's blue and red. Also, I think that's also to do with the chi that he's channeling through the rings. Mm, okay. Um, Cause I noticed that there's two sets of colors too. When they use it, it yeah. seemed like there's blue and red yeah. that was going on in the trailer. But regardless, you see a lot of these epical battles um, and it's a little bit more history on Shang-Chi. Uh, you know, they, they show a lot of him as a youth getting the shit kicked out of him as he becomes the the person. I, de- I felt a little less young attached. Right. 
in this one mm-hmm. i felt i felt a little more like like all right i'm getting into this world like i'm figuring out who these characters are right yes and, there was like, definitely more of that definitely more of that exposition um and uh you know it's one of those things where it looks like uh shang chi has walked away from that life trying to make his life uh better as a normal human being but is pulled back into the world by his father um through various fights assassination attempts blah blah shenanigans. blah shenanigans <clears throat> um and then uh but as he's drawn into the world, there were some interesting reveals in the trailers. You got, you start to see this CD magic underworld, right in the trailer club. Right. And so there's a, there's a shot in the trailer where if you're looking closely, he goes to this like magic. Um, uh, there's, there's other, uh, where did I see this before? Hold on. Give me a second. I'm racking my brain. I've seen a concept like this before. Was it in, was it in the, was it in the, the Hulk movie with, um, yeah, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but it was in, it was in a show I watched recently, but yeah. they'd show up and, you know, they're, uh, you know, come in and d- display your powers and they're, they're fighting or betting or whatever. What was that? What the fuck was I watching? Do you know what that, that always reminds me of too? That's going to one of my favorite uh super underrated superhero anything universes that was ever put together and i would love to see somebody like pick it back up and throw something on disney plus sky high oh yeah very yeah i remember that like when they have like the gymnasium battles mm-hmm. with uh bruce campbell and, that's right uh, yeah, yeah, yeah everybody has to like show your power <laughs> yep uh, um, but yeah, it's that. So anyway, they, they, they kind of go to this, uh, this, this backdoor, you know, underworld CD underbelly of superheroes and magic. And, um, it looks like a giant, um, uh, fighting ring, like a giant octagon, a UFC ring. And you see very quick shots of a giant green dude who is definitely not Hulk, but in the same vein, fighting a dude who looks like a very chubby master of the mystic arts in this shot. And, you know, if you, if you stop it and rewind it and watch again, you can very clearly tell that it's abomination, uh, sort of animated in the same vein as the one from, uh, it is Tim, the Tim, Tim Roth, Tim Roth, the, abomination. Yeah, the Tim Roth abomination, um, yeah. fighting Wong, yeah. In this, uh, in this Und- little, underground. Yeah, valley. yeah. It's so great. And I'm still annoyed that I can't remember the, what that show is that I was watching. It'll come out. It will. It'll come, don't search for it. Uh, uh, okay, fine. I won't. I won't. Um, All right. I need to know. It'll, um, it'll just come back. Naturally. But that was a great, that was a great reveal. Um, uh, and then, and then we get to, well, uh, real quick too. I just want to touch on that one, one real thing. Um, no one's talked about the extent to which they're going to be in this film. It could just be something small and disposable for now or connected to the multiverse of madness. True. Um, it, but it could be greater than that. My sense is from watching the trailers, it's a very small part. It's a very small, but very fan servicey thing. Right. And I don't know if there's history there with abomination and the masters of the mystic I, arts. I absolutely think that it'll be a very quick, quick, uh, like B roll story, uh, through, uh, connective tissue kind of thing. Uh, not a, not a multiverse necessarily. Cause they, uh, officially unofficially say that the Ed Norton Hulk is in the MCU universe. 
Um, they tacitly acknowledge it. They the tacit, Avengers yeah, movie. They tacitly acknowledge it. So that that Tim Roth design is definitely conceivable, but uh, I think it's more going to be like a, a throwaway, uh, like, oh hey Wong, where you been? You know. And this is the other thing to remember too. And this is the thing I keep forgetting about that uh, we had to remember that I had to keep that I was constantly reminded of in. Um, uh, and and this is the hard thing with the uh, this plays into the hardness of the keeping your storyline straight or your timeline straight, especially because you went from WandaVision yeah. to um, Falcon and Winter Soldier and then back to Loki. And uh, the reason I bring that up is especially when it comes to uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki is Falcon and Winter Soldier take place uh, post Endgame. Yep. Whereas Loki takes place post Avengers, mm-hmm. but also all time. It takes place. It takes, it takes place, place everywhere. Every, everywhere, all the time. But the story we're following is this real quick post uh, post Avengers Loki. So the timelines are weird, but you, but the thing that I, I loved about Falcon winter soldier is the constant reminder of the blip because that, which I'm curious of, of, of where, if how the blip will be involved in Shang-Chi. And that's, that was my point is that I'm, 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 I'm not 100% positive, but I am willing to bet that phase four, uh, will basically be, with the exception of things like the, uh, the uh, immortals, the what is it? The Eternals. Oh, Eternals. Yeah. With the exceptions of things like the Eternals, which they're going to have to give some exposition and backstory to. Um, I have the sense that the modern, the the present day of Shang Chi will be post blip. I have a feeling that most, um, most uh, of, um, most of phase four will be post blip with the exception of probably things like miss Marvel or captain Marvel too. They, they will. It's just, how will they handle it? Like right. how, yes. how far are they going to dive into the, like, Oh, the blip happened. Right. You know, or are they just going to like, Hey, we're kind of far enough along after the blip that like really, Joe's dealing with it and Maggie's dealing with it. Right. But like, and I think it will be, well, I, I agree. I think that it'll be, um, I think it will, depending on the, the franchise, I think depending on the franchise will be how much of it, it isn't, it is integral to, uh, for example, I think that, um, like Spider-Man. Yeah. Because it had a real effect on, yeah. on them. Yeah. On those characters. It's different. Uh, because they were in the middle of the play. Right. And then, um, and same with Dr. Strange, I think in the multiverse of madness will take place post blip. Yeah. Uh, guardians three will. Yeah, obviously. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping somewhhere there's a connection to, um, well, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, guardians three will, um, I mean the Gamora, the Gamora thing with Chris Pratt will, it's, uh, it's sort of like uh, Loki where it's the Gamora of 2012. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not. We're in love. Right. And it's, so it's, it's going to be a different vibe, but regardless, I think that the, the, it'll take, it'll be 
Like I think Guardians Three will be a, a more important factor. Uh, I think uh, because clearly it's you know the 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 events of Endgame are have a direct real, uh, correlation to what's going on with Thor and uh, yeah, and Thor. I mean, I think I think Thor: Love and Thunder and and Guardians Three are going to have such a crossroads of of storytelling, which that, will be great. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're going to put James Gunn and Taika Waititi in charge of telling two stories together. Oh, please give me all of that. Yeah, exactly. Please. Um. So that being said, that's that's my sense of what's going on. And then uh, and then, uh, <coughs> you know, it's kind of a, to meander back to the, the, re- the final bits of the trailer. The final final couple of shots of the trailer include um, the the titular character. Uh, underwater coming face to face with a very large dragon. Fang, fang, foo. One can hope. And whether they do that as a physical, actual character, the way he was in the comic books, or they do it in some weird, there better be a goddamn dragon. Well, it looks like there is going to be one. No, I mean, like, Oh, you mean like a a legit dragon? Physical, just imposing dragon. Yeah, no, you and me both. I hope that is exactly what happens. Now, whether that's an actual physical dragon or a manifestation of chi or power or spirit animal, you never know. We don't need... uh, We don't need... for all we know, it could be a big old moosh. It could be just a giant moosh. We don't. We don't need the Galactus Cloud rehash mm-hmm. from uh, Fantastic Four two. Like, I think Kevin Feige is smarter than that. Oh, I agree. Uh, he's gonna give us a dragon, uh, and I think he's gonna give us a, a dragon. You know, I I hope I, I think that's gonna be the title of this episode. He's gonna give us the. He's gonna give us a dragon. I, that, that's a great title for this episode. He's going to give us dragon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. I hope that's, I, I really, and I, I think that he is that he will make it worth our while to see oh. that, which I think is going to be great. But I feel like that's kind of like, all right. So in, in, in everything like pop culture, whatever, you know, there's the f- trends. Mm-hmm. So what, what is, what is, Marvel's move right now and what is uh, DC's move right now? Oh god. Like with their 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 upcoming most recent re- like soon I, soon releases. I think I think I but think But I'm saying they're going into let's throw it at the wall and get as weird and big and we have a giant starfish in one. Fuck right. it. Let's go with a dragon for the other. I, I think you're right. I think <clears throat> that, I think that phase four is, is, um, is the, the launch of the, of the, so the first three phases were all while having to deal with some of it was grandiose. And I've always, we've talked about this before where you have sort of three types of superheroes, at least in the Marvel universe. Um, you have local, we have local, regional, and 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 global, or like universal, right? No. Um. So you have you have heroes like Daredevil, like Spider Man, who were initially, or Punisher, who were initially geographically specific. Yeah. 
Luke Cage, all those guys, the, yeah. the defenders, those were all local superheroes. Yeah. Then you had sort of like world superheroes yeah. like Tony Stark and Thor and Iron Man and, and Cap, Cap and all that, right? And then you had your internet or your your intergalactic stars, yeah. right? Um, and I think that now that with the exception of very very limited aliens yeah. through through Guardians and Thor, um, I think I think we've 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 set we've we've done the three phases of practicality, yeah, is you know of of more realistic. Uh, comic book folklore and i think phase four will be let's get weird let's get let's get big <laughs> let's get grandiose let's and i think you're like exactly i think the galactus this, uh, thing is a good a good this descri- is... description of it but i'm talking about like kang the conqueror we know he's yeah. going to be a thing fing fame foom the multiverse of madness like we're, we're really going to embrace that um we're going to get weird we're going to yeah. get especially with the scarlet witch yeah um tie in um <laughs> You know, I mean, this is yeah. It, it's the Eternals. The, um, the only way I could say this is, She Hulk. Hey, we've done a really great job of earning your trust and money. Yeah, and you're gonna come see our movies regardless. So now you get to come on the ride. Yeah, now, now yeah. you get to really like get into how weird and cool we can be. Right. And just get fun and explore and explore a lot of those deep cut or larger than life. Um, Thanos was a Thanos was the most larger than life character that would work in the first three phases. Wait till exactly. Wait, yeah, and 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 I, you know, God help whoever gets to has to write that Silver Surfer. Oh no! Film in phase five or six. Come on now. Nah, it's such a simple concept, and it's so like it was so tragically used and it doesn't even necessarily because of how the rights have pulled back to, to Marvel. They don't necessarily have to fish net it through the fantastic four. That's very true. That's the beautiful part is you can introduce Norrin rad in guardians three mm-hmm. on a, on a planet in a moment. Yep. You can introduce a kid named Norrin uh, Nor Rad and mm-hmm. and and begin that story, plant that seed. Uh, you're in space anyway, so why not? Exactly. Or Thor, you know, hell, like it whatever can, you end up doing, like the you can set that stage up early and 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 plant his setup, mm-hmm. and then you can spread his story throughout. You know, the Eternals have a moment with the Silver Surfer blasting through and, you know, you get a, a, a little explanation here. Or he pops up through here and there and there. And that's that's how I would do it. Sure. I would I would I would precurse him in a way as as he was. He is he's the herald of Galactus. He's right. he's there to tease that he's coming. Right. So so you tease him early early right don't don't make it a silver surfer movie i got you i got don't you. make you it a silver him, surfer series you, you weave, weave him through the other the other you properties weave him you turn him into the new stanley right we look for the silver surfer cameo mm. where is the surfer coming you know that's how i would do it to hook galactus in for your phase six you know right and, and, you know, they are there. We already know that they'll, they, you know, we, there's, there's, there's like I said, we talked about last week, there's already, um, or two weeks ago, sorry. Um, and this will pull us into the Loki thing real quick is that, um, 
you know, they're already, they're already kind of, we know that Kang the Conqueror is going to be a, uh, a villain in <clears throat> guardians three, I believe, or is it Thor? Uh, I think it's, I think it's guardians. I think it's guardians. Probably. Wait. Uh, probably One, Thor love and thunder. I think it is Thor because I think, um, what's his name is going to be in, um, uh, what the Welsh guy, um, Christian Bale is going to be in one of, uh, uh, he's in Thor. Thor. He's yeah. in Thor. He is, uh, the God killer. That's right. So he's going to be, um, but apparently not the big bad. Apparently supposed from Gore, from, the God butcher. Yeah. yeah. Gore, the God butcher. Um, from what I've read, maybe, uh, a bad for, a moment that may turn to uh, an ally or, you know, just a, a side character. And it looks like you're right. It looks like Thor and Thor and guardians are going to be basically part one and part two, like a crossover. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a crossover story. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, we're, we're assumedly picking guardians is after Thor but we're going to have to pick up from where Thor left off with the guardians in Endgame, Right. So yeah. like they're going to have their, their launching point from there. And then we're going to catch up with the guardians from, from where they kicked out from Thor. Right. That makes sense. And then, uh, that means that I believe Kang is in guardians three. Um, cause I know he's in one of them. Um, um, but to that point, we've already with Loki, we've already established that uh, Rav- Ravona Ravenslayer yeah. is the uh, the chief judge of the TVA. Yeah. So that you know, there's and, a, and the, Mobius being Agent Mobius, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but there's a there's that connection to 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 Kang there. Um, let's see, Bradley Cooper. Come on. You you were talking about the street level heroes. I've uh. Since since Disney has everything and all the Netflix guys are you know moving off of and and whatever I've and and defenders did not streak so so hotly. Uh, I was, it didn't. It uh, didn't. It you know was, what? I'll, I'll tell you what I think it is. I thought it was the weakness of Iron Fist. I mean, to a degree, but I mean, it was it was that that whole whole that whole story was. Just uh, give me a reason to care. Um, yeah, I mean, but uh, I felt like they did a they did a run where they grouped a, a level of hero that street level of hero together that they kind of upped the ante of their you know their violence and their storytelling and their mm-hmm. their things and they rebranded them the Marvel Knights. And uh, I have heard that name and, and I feel like they should, they should very much use that, that branding and that logo and, and do, do, why not do a Marvel Knights run of TV shows with, you know, Daredevil and Blade and Ghost Rider and, uh, Moon Knight and Punisher and, and kind of interweave those stories and give those guys just like a, a floor. And then, and when you need daredevil in a spider-man movie you pick them out you know when you need punisher in a avengers movie for a quick cameo you pick them out you know when you need 
everybody on scene for a, a shot at the end of, you know, Avengers seven, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's Ant-Man three, <clears throat> Ant-Man three King. Yeah. Ant-Man three is apparently Ant-Man two should be a series on Disney plus, but that's just me. I agree. I agree. I mean, I think that I think a, a long form, a long form TV show for, uh, Paul Rudd is a perfect, uh, perfect vehicle. Jonathan Majors, uh, that's right. Two new cast members were announced last year. Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror, the villain, and Catherine Newton as Scott's daughter, Cassie Lang. Um, Jonathan Majors being... I'm not familiar. I think he's from Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, So that, yeah, I guess that... Interesting choice for Kang. Yeah, I guess you could connect the TVA to Ant-Man because we're talking Quantumania and we're talking, you know time travel and shit like it was ant-man that helped push the time travel thing oh i mean ant-man opened the door for the uh the mcguffin the 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 deus ex machina of endgame the uh how how do we fix this oh oh here's the simple answer yeah exactly (laughs) i'm ant-man and i just came from a place where we could time travel check this out exactly it's also easy. Um, that being said, uh, I know you've got to get going, but real quick, uh, Loki, Loki episodes two and three, um, uh, or the whole show. I mean, we talked about Loki one uh, last time we recorded, but Loki two and three. Um, I'm enjoying this show. I'm enjoying this show just from a purely entertaining. Like it's. I was concerned that Tom Hiddleston couldn't carry an entire franchise, but he seems to. I do, I wasn't I'm, 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 I wasn't, I'm I wasn't I wasn't concerned with it. I was uh concerned with the direction of how it would go. Sure. Uh I know he's capable. He's a very talented dude. Um but I I just mean I the, just, the character itself. You but... don't yeah, it would wear thin. Right. Uh especially being the character of post Avengers one. Right. Um the concept uh that they threw around it has been everything in developing that character into who we want to watch mm-hmm. for two more episodes at least it's, it's, so far it's six right and, or five uh, yeah six i think okay um, so this is this was the halfway mark um and and i'll be honest what uh one of the things i found interesting about this newest episode is um it is a it is what one would call a bottle episode Kind of, yeah. In that it is cont- it is self-contained and disconnected from the rest of the story. Um, like it's you- it's a very uh, there's there's background narrative of things happening, but really it's more of developing Loki in his character now, where the, this post. A TVA experience mm-hmm. uh, of post Avengers Loki has has arrived, and, and then meeting this other variant of himself. variant of supposed variant of himself, right? Who is uh, played by I had her name just a second ago and it escaped me thanks to the bourbon, um, but she is a, a relatively unknown Hollywood actress, yeah, or actor, um, and she has mostly been doing a lot of TV in the UK. Tons of TV in the UK. So she's a common name there, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Um, she's, she's, but she's, she's, she's entertaining enough. I definitely think <clears throat> that um, Tom Hiddleston is, is acting circles around her. I think it's kind of the point though, was to bring her in as such a heavy presence and then have him very quickly overtake that. Yeah. Uh, so that he could deconstruct her, uh, in, in a way that he could understand, but also that it would spell out for the audience. Right. And then also one of the other things I love about it, just as, uh, just, just loosely connected to it is the fact that, um, they they spent two episodes building this terrible human being up, yeah. And then when when she is like this, it's like it's it, they make it seem like she's an uber villain, right? Yeah. And then when he's come, when you come face to face with when they've come face to face, Loki and her, um, she's she's nothing more special or less special than Loki. And that's, what's so funny. Yeah. Um, they, they do some really great sight gag shit. Yeah. Um, slapsticky shit to kind of remind they, they kind of bring her down a peg or two in the estimation of the audience, which is great. Yeah. Um, they give her, they give her the sort of what I would consider the Hulk slamming Loki around treatment a little bit, a little bit. If you get, if you get, if you get knocked on your ass for comedic reasons, yeah, it's it's of the same vein it's, to me yeah, and so they do that they do that to her character yeah um and it's just it's i think it's just a way to go it doesn't matter if it's this guy or this person they're all the same person just so you know yeah they're they're no they're not special because they're a variant right? yeah um and then there's a one of the other one of the other it's a very good episode it all takes place in one one ultimately one location uh, roughly uh to five seconds in another location but um, so it's sort of a self-contained episode. Um, but one of the interesting, uh, plot twists that was, uh, a lot of people on social media were complaining about is that they spent all this time on this episode and maybe had like five lines that were dedicated to the, the greater story. And I can see why they'd be upset because there was a throwaway line that they didn't delve into, which is like right at the end of the episode. And they make the comment that, um, Apparently, the T everything at the TVA is not what it seems. We already knew that, yeah, they, because the way that they talk about the timekeepers is already really kind of sketch. Yeah. Well, because you and I, we've had we've oh, had yeah. long conversations about growing up religious. Oh yeah, and it has that. That's all I see now. It's all I hear, and so I sit there and go, man, they're really like in episode one and two. You're like, man, they're really treating timekeepers like a like a deity. And where what's yeah. the other shoe drop? Yeah, I was raised. I was raised with this mindset. Oh yeah, I was made. We were we were made by him. We were made. Yeah, yeah. we were made in his image, and we were oh. made to serve this purpose, and oh, yeah. or made in their image, and made to serve this purpose. And then you come to find out that the one of the TVA guys was a, a human before. Oh, they were all just people. Mm-hmm. All just people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I found that interesting. I didn't like. I, 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 I would have liked them to have spent five or six minutes on that instead of 35 seconds, but I like the hole that it opened. Though. Yeah, sure. 100%. Now yeah. I'm now, I, now I've got questions until Wednesday. Exactly. Um, but which is fine. But that's, I, that's, that's, that's uh, to, to me though, that, that is a brilliant stroke because that's, that's a festering itch that has, that has got you waiting yeah. for Wednesday. You're, yeah. you're, you're like, all right, so now we're, that was such a throwaway line, but 
because you threw it away so casually, you have now opened up this like I need to know all the answers behind that. Like they, it was it was deep. Sure, sure. I I I, I guess. I guess because of the nature of it and like the way I described it and how I liken it to my childhood, I, it's like, you know, in my head, it's like, why would you even do that? Um, you know, give me the, just because I need, I need to know more, but, but, but I, I feel like you could have, you could have easily have done that in the first three minutes of the next episode. I feel like they can go, I feel like they could go 90, 90% of the next episode yeah. into that. And that could be like the, the, the huge be, thread, yeah. you know? But. Exactly. Um, what I would argue too, that I'm, what I'm noted or what I would say is um, you can tell just by the nature of how diamet, how completely um, erratic yeah. the episode lengths are. You can tell that this was just sort of filmed. Yeah like the whole point was to get all of it in a can. Yeah. And then it is up to the showrunner and the editor's discretion, how much of that story they're going to show in an episode, yeah. which is a, which is a very unique way of doing it. It's not, it's not self-contained in a 23 minutes or 47 minutes. You know what I mean? So it's very interesting <laughs> to watch about or watch. So we, we've talked about the nature of that before. And I, I, I do feel like this was filmed like a, uh, a, a six part miniseries. As opposed to a, uh, like not even a traditional miniseries. Like, hey, we have four hours to tell this story. Right. So chop it up as you see yeah, fit. Yeah, yeah. It'll it'll break into episodes. You know, however, mm. but you know, it it may be seven parts, and you might you know on Lifetime have to show it like this, but you know on HBO where we're gonna first sell it. You know, you can present it in its full presentation, which right. would be 45 minutes an episode. Episode two is an hour, you know. Exactly. Um, all right. We're, 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 we're getting really short on time. I know you need to yeah. go do things. Um, I want to throw out one last thing. I, I'm going to implore you. I implore you to strike up a, a an Apple TV plus subscription it's, it's it's in my uh list i have to kill my annie crime subscription oh that's a thing huh it is don't it's, say that don't tell candace that it's it um amazon prime annie crime uh <laughs> uh yeah no i have to kill that and then as soon as i finish this black monday run uh, and yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. other things on showtime showtime's okay. out and then i've got apple already queued up good and, and i you don't need to you, you don't need to watch it for any other show except for mythic quest i don't care about for all mankind candace really likes dickinson i watched like five seconds of it i get why it's um i get the draw yeah. it's not for me but whatever but the heart that this show has at its core yeah. is amazing it is, it is 10 episodes of some of, I mean, sorry, 10 episodes a season. It's 20 episodes of some of the best television that is out there right now in terms of the human condition, in terms of nerddom, in terms of everything. And, 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 and it could be summed up by the two, there's a phenomenon in each season. They really like the use of a bottle episode. Yeah. Um, and in the first season, the bottle episode happens halfway through the series. You have four episodes of the 10 
better setups and story exposition and what's going on. And then all of a sudden in the fifth episode of the 10, there's an episode that is completely unconnected to the storyline takes place 20 years before. Um, it, and you would appreciate it the way it, it, it is, it is, it is such a special 30 minutes of television to me. Yeah. It means like the, I, if there was a, like if this was back in the eighties and I could write to whoever, yeah, I would write, uh, I think it's Rob McElhenney's sister who yeah. writes the show or yeah. wrote this episode. Yeah. I would write to her and tell her, thank you so much for writing that episode because it takes place. It starts in like the late eighties or early nineties, early nineties, I think. And it's, it's, um, Jake Johansson and Christina Milotti, um, uh, play these video game developers and they develop a video game in the early nineties, a la doom or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and then it just takes place over the early nineties up through, let's say the 2004s. Yeah. So what you watch is you watch the, the super prevalence of first person shooters, um, and the video game culture of the time. Yeah. And then when Hollywood gets involved yeah, and then they're making these really shitty, uh, video game, game movies, movies in the, in the late nineties and early, it deals with all that. And it is like Rob McElhenney shows up at the end for like one line. Yeah. No other characters in that show. Yeah. Crossover. But it was just their their ability to capture a certain space and time. Yeah. It was very magical to me. Yeah. Um, but they did it again. Uh they but they captured something that was super magical to me in a different way. Yeah. In this season's episode. Uh it was a two part bottle episode that dealt with F. Murray Abraham's character in the show. And his his character is um who's first of all, F. Murray Abraham's amazing. Um but he, his character is this long celebrated award winning sci-fi and fixed fantasy writer. Um, but back in the seventies. Yeah. Right. Who's sort of peaked. <clears throat> yeah. And so it's, been, it's a running, he's got a lot of running gags about being yeah. a fish out of water. And you know, he's the, he's, he, he serves as the boomer yeah. that you can run, that you can make the inappropriate jokes off of yeah. and then have the other he's characters. The Chevy Chase. Yeah. And then have the other, yes, correct. Yeah. Only, only, uh, only, um, not crazy. A little, a little less evil. Yeah. Um, a little more human, but, um, there's a two part episode that deals with when he back in the early seventies, when he gets his award, uh, for his, for his book and like moving to LA to write for this magazine, uh, that publishes these sci-fi fantasy stories. And then, you know, he get there's a rivalry episode and then a redemption episode kind of when they're older origin story. Yeah. So yeah, the first episode is an origin story. Yeah. And the second episode is a redemptive thing of him now. Yeah. That again, unconnected to the main storyline of the show. Yeah. But again, so much heart in two episodes and it deals with like, we're talking about with like with Frank Herbert, it deals with that shit. It deals with like, it's a lot of that trying to break into the sci-fi fantasy realm in the late sixties and early seventies and laying the groundwork and the foundation for, um, people like us who are kind of represented in Rob McElhinney's character. Yeah. Uh, so these people we revere, yeah. And then you find out they're kind of like some of them can wash out and yeah. wash up and whatever. So much heart in that. So definitely get Apple TV and watch Mythic Quest. It's so wonderful. Anyway, yeah. what do you, That's what do you, my path. Yeah. What are you nerding out on? Before, uh, and we'll, we'll hit stop here. Uh, did whiskey. <laughs> lots and lots of working on the secret list. That's actually true. 
You have been. I've been seeing. He's uh, Stu's been teasing me with the this with all the bottles he's uh, acquired. Um, we're probably going to do uh, a bottle episode. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, no pun intended. No. Uh, we'll probably do one of those here coming up uh, uh, on location at the pub. We'll uh, we'll talk some more nerd dumb. We'll drink some of these really, or I'm sorry, not drink, sample, taste, taste. taste taste some of these really awesome high-end uh, whiskeys that we're going to be putting in in the pub. And yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. That's where your head is at. Anyway, that's all the time we have. We've gone yeah. over. I'm sorry. No, that's uh, all good. We will see all of you next time. Thanks for yeah. stopping by, Stu. Uh, yeah. And we'll see you Thanks guys. Thanks for having me, Ken. We will see you guys next week. Next week.